Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Wednesday, December 6th, 527 a.m. Central Time. Grain markets are higher this morning. March corn futures up two cents at 492 and a half. March soybeans up five and a half at 1332. March Chicago wheat up six and a quarter at 637 and a half. March Kansas City wheat up four and three quarters at 667 and a half. March spring wheat up two and a half cents at 741 and a half. Let's start off with Friday's USDA report. So USDA will release its monthly crop production and WASDE reports on Friday. The trade expects few changes to the U.S. balance sheets. USDA will likely wait until January to make any adjustments to their 2023 U.S. crop projections. Traders do expect some activity in regard to South America. Smaller production estimates are, ex are expected for the Brazilian corn and soybean crops. What will USDA lie about this month? Um, quick comment on USDA and the reports. Over the summer and into the early part of the fall, it seemed like there were a lot of complaints about USDA. The yield numbers are too damn high. USDA is manipulating the markets and sending us lower. And uh, since harvest has kind of come and gone, I haven't heard those complaints a lot. I, I do believe that uh, the corn and soybean crops in particular were better than expected. I think a lot of farmers <laughs> were actually surprised what they found in their own backyard. So that stuff is has kind of come and gone, that sort of conversation, I believe. Um, I think most people will be watching the South American production numbers on Friday. This is where you've probably got a chance for the biggest changes. Uh, the Brazilian soybean number is the biggest number, and that's the one everybody will be watching right out of the gate. Uh, 163 was last month. We're looking for a fairly substantial reduction. 160.2 is what's expected on Friday. Now, a lot of the private groups are in the 150s. Some are uh, in the low 150s. USDA, if they make a change to the Brazilian crop projection at all, and I wouldn't be shocked if they just left it alone for a month, honestly, but if they make a change, if they reduce the estimate, they're probably going to slow play it. I don't think they're going to get too aggressive. So if they come in with something that is say 160 or 161 or 162, say they trim it just marginally, I think that's just USDA slow playing the thing. I, I think in reality, the trade is probably working with something in the mid to upper 150s, if I had to guess, just a personal opinion. We're not looking for much at all in terms of the U.S. balance sheets. Uh, again, USDA typically waits till January to make any yield changes or acreage changes, so you shouldn't see much here. Maybe some st stuff on the demand side of the balance sheet, but we're looking for U.S. ending stocks to be basically unchanged across the board versus last month. And the global stuff should be a function largely of what happens on the uh, South American uh, production numbers and those projections. USDA reported another flash sale of U.S. SRW wheat on Tuesday. U.S. exporters sold 198,000 metric tons of soft red winter wheat to China for delivery during the current marketing year. This was the second flash, uh, flash, flash sale of SRW wheat to China this week, totaling 638,000 metric tons. SRW and HRW futures have closed higher for six consecutive sessions. Six in a row going for seven today. Um, there's absolutely some short covering going on in the wheat market. Um, well, I can't prove that, I guess, until we see the CFTC data. But that's that's uh, what's driving the rally on the board, at least. Uh, we talked yesterday in a little bit more detail about the Chinese wheat crop, how USDA says it's it's they've had big crops, but they've got quality issues because they've had too much rain. So this is a positive input. Uh, the market's acted very well. It had acted very, very poorly up until uh, these last six days. So hopefully this can continue and hopefully it can uh, drag the corn market along with it.
So if you guys have not already checked out our premium content, you need to do so. Joe, can you tell me about the video you put together yesterday? Okay, so we are entering um, a period, the way that it looks, of of a more bearish supply and demand scenario as it relates to corn. Uh, look at this chart on my screen if you guys are watching on YouTube. The USDA projection for stocks to use ratio is like almost 15%. 15% is not what we saw the last three years. The last three years, we were 8 or 9%. 15% is a lot more in line with what we saw during what I would call the dog days from, say, 2014 through 2019. In that period from 2014 through 2019, there was one grain marketing indicator that I used for corn in particular that I believe uh, was the best one during that time frame. So I think that as it relates to your grain marketing right now, you've got to think differently uh, seven, $8 cash corn probably isn't coming back anytime soon. You've got to probably market accordingly. And I think that, uh, looking back at what worked really well during, uh, that time frame, 2014 through 19 is, uh, something that's absolutely worthwhile. Honestly, if you're a corn grower, you got to watch this video. Um, we give away too much for free, so I'm not going to say anything else about it. Uh, go to standardgrain.com this morning, uh, sign up for the premium deal. Remember, this is a ton of info direct from us every business day. Uh, email goes out at 5 a.m. Central time. There's a new premium video every day. Um, this is a $50 per month subscription. Cancel at any time. No other fee, no other obligation. Nobody will try to sell you anything else. I know a lot of you guys get worried about signing up for stuff because you get a phone call and somebody tries to sell you seed or fertilizer or crop insurance or broken services. We don't do any of that. Uh, you sign up. We'll send you the emails. We'll send you the texts if you want. But aside from that, you'll never hear from us ever again. So check that out this morning, guys. Drier than normal conditions will persist in many areas of Brazil. Rainfall over the next 10 days will be adequate to maintain the status quo in northern and central Brazil, although amounts will continue to run below normal levels. Southern Brazil continues to run a moisture surplus and has seen above normal rainfall. The trade clearly views the forecast as being non-threatening for, for the moment given soybean price action. Yeah, soybean market sucks. I mean, when you consider what's going on in Brazil, I mean, you've got uh, some drought type stuff. You've got some uh, crop estimates that are very, very low. Um, you've got all sorts of talk about reduced production, yet the market doesn't act real well. Um, we're up a little bit here this morning. I know a lot of people thought we were going to run above $14 in, in beans and, and rip higher, and we just haven't been able to do that. So yeah, all this rain, I mean, the, the next five days is, is pretty sparse. And then the 10 day forecast doesn't look bad. It's just that this is still all below normal um, compared to like what you'd see in December. Typically, typically we're very wet in November and December in Brazil. It's just not really the case this go around. Despite unexpected rainfall, drought continues to impact container shipping through the Panama Canal. Rainfall during Panama's wet season, which runs from April through November, was 41% below normal. The canal typically has 36 crossings per day, but capacity has been cut to 25 and is expected to drop all the way back to 18 by February. Non-booked vessels are having to wait an average of 11.7 days before passing through the canal, up from 4.3 days at the beginning of November. What is Bloomberg doing with this title? How climate change may ruin your kid's Christmas. And then it's an article about the Panama Canal. So I, I don't know, whatever. I, I don't get, I don't, I don't, I get, I get what they're trying to do with the title. It's not, that's not the article though. Um, yeah. in, in any case, so we talked about the canal yesterday and this is really becoming restrictive. Uh, we want to ship soybeans to who China, right? And to get to China, 
it's a hell of a lot shorter to go through the canal than it is uh, to go around Africa. And we, we had this map in one of the videos earlier in the week. I figured I'd throw it in again. But the wait time, even if you can get through, has gone from like essentially, what, three days? I, I think normal would be like one or two days. And now they're talking uh, a 10, 12-day wait to get through the canal. So this is a, a messy deal. It adds cost and time. Uh, shipping soybeans to China in particular and shipping anything out of the Gulf to um, a lot of destinations. So continues to be problematic. Oil prices have fallen this week due to demand concerns and uncertainty surrounding OPEC plus supply cuts. Since Monday, Brent crude has fallen 1.1% to $77.18 per barrel. WTI has declined 1.5% to $72.24 per barrel. The price decline comes after OPEC's voluntary supply reduction of 2.2 million barrels last week, which caused a 2% drop in prices. Since the cuts are voluntary, however, investors are questioning whether they will be fully implemented. Lackluster demand is also pressuring the market. Crude market doesn't look real good for spot WTI. This is the lowest trade since July that we posted here uh, just this morning. I think this is a daily chart. Maybe I mislabeled it. But in any case, uh, this thing, crude peaked at 95 bucks in uh, September, and now we're down in the low 70s. So it's a pretty ugly trade. Um, when you look at the commodity sector as a whole, so yeah, we're way down from where we peaked in 2022. I'm looking at the Bloomberg Commodity Index. We're off 29% in this index from the 2022 high. I think we're back to an environment where... I mean, first of all, there's an overwhelming there's an overwhelming disinterest in commodity markets as a whole. It's just been a lot of sideways action when you put them all in a basket. But um, when you look at at everything like in a vacuum, I think the markets are kind of doing their own thing. The wheat market's trading this China thing. The soybean market, I think, is trading Brazilian weather. Uh, crude's trading its own fundamentals. Uh, the cattle market is trading. Well, I don't have a clue actually what the cattle market is trading, but I think they're kind of all uh, doing their own thing. Is is kind of the take home here and there's just yeah there's there's a lack of of enthusiasm and you know through a lot of 2021 through a lot of 2022 commodities like all moved together they moved in tandem and we're not uh, in that environment anymore on Tuesday, 10-year Treasury yields fell below 4.2% after data revealed job openings hit their lowest point since 2021. Despite the labor market slowdown, concerns have surfaced that the markets may be anticipating rate cuts from the Fed too soon. BlackRock, in particular, is advising stepping back from longer-term maturity bonds as the company believes there's too much optimism over rate cuts next year. Nonetheless, the Treasury futures market has has made a significant move over the last week on the long bond contract. Here's the job openings number, which I know everybody believes is fake. Every number the government puts it out is fake. I get it. Uh, whatever. So we, I mean, it, according to the government data, um, this, this, these job openings peaked at 12 million March of last year. We're down to 8.7. That's a significant decline. That's exactly what the Fed wants to see. The Fed wants to see less job openings, more unemployment. And then they can cut rates, right? Um, when you look at the treasuries and, and the interest rates, I mean, this is a pretty substantial decline. Uh, the ten-year uh, peaked at a yield of just over five percent in October. We're down to four point two. That's a big move. That's a big move in treasury markets. So um, I don't know if this is going to be a short-lived decline in interest rates or something more substantial. I know that this stuff's this stuff matters to a lot of you guys for a lot of reasons. Uh, but for most of you who borrow money, uh, these operating notes are not cheap anymore. And uh, you'd like to see this thing come down. Uh, cattle posted a recovery yesterday. 
They did. They were finally able to hold their ground. Feeder cattle futures closed an average of 359 higher. Live cattle futures closed an average of a buck 34 higher. Box beef continues to move lower. Choice ended the day at 293.75. That was down a buck 24. Select ended the day at 259.13. That was down 370. Outside markets on Wednesday, U.S. dollars about flat. Stocks are up a little bit. Bonds off just a little bit. Crude oil is down 90 cents at 71.43 last in the January WTI. Have a great day, guys. We'll talk to you on Thursday.